Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need when you need it with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. As much as we advocate on the show for agreements and systems and structures and principles, like that's all true. And human beings with real lives and real trauma and real patterns are going to be showing up in those structures. And if they need to be really in lockstep and really close, then you got to put in the work. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Brave New Work, a podcast about reinventing our organizations and the search for a more adaptive and human way of working. I'm Aaron Dignan, and I'm joined by my air-potted co-host, Rodney <laughs> I hope it works out for us. Hi, everyone. Sounds, sounds pretty good to me. On today's episode, we're going to talk about us. We're going to talk about us, but more specifically about our partnership and the work that we've been doing on it lately, which is super interesting. However, before we get into that, let's do a little work on a check-in round. Yeah, this is like a very special episode of the Brave New Work podcast. So <laughs> the check-in question is on a scale of one to 10, how nervous are you right now to make this episode of this podcast and why? Good question. I'm like, I'm like a six where I feel like I think I'm okay, but there might be like, there might be a pothole in the road that I can't see and then Mm -hmm. it, it gets weird. So I think, but I'm sort of excited by that. Like I have a nervous energy that's positive. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can't, it's, it's like when you know you're going to get sprayed in a water gun fight or something, you're just like, let's just fucking do it. Let's take it. You know, I just am kind of like, do it. I dare you. So that's where I'm at. Um, yeah, I'm like a seven. I would say this was my dumb idea and I'm already regretting it. And also Perfect. I might barf. So, you know, let's, let's do it. I mean, if the people are not leaning forward now, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what would get them to lean forward. <laughs> I um, okay. Okay. So, so today's topic is, is us and, and specifically the fact that we have been deliberately working on our partnership, our working relationship, working with a coach together, work therapy, if you will. And I guess I want to start by asking you, do you remember how we got here? Like the, what's do. the origin story of what, how this all started? Yeah. I don't even think you know the full origin story. Exactly. Because some of it happened just by myself. So <laughs> right. <laughs> some of this origin story was solo work. Um, yeah. So a lot of things have happened with us in the last couple of years that are environmental. Like there is another company in the mix that we talk about on this show all the time. That's Murmur. Our roles have changed so substantially in terms of the ready. And I think that starting last fall, you sort of prompted some conversations about some pretty like 
thorny stuff in terms of equity and ownership of the business and whether the current distribution was reflective of, you know, who and how the company has been built, et cetera, et cetera. And like the, the provocation was awesome. And then we just kind of like circled the drain on it a lot. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, for two people who are generally pretty tight and pretty, pretty chatty, we just kept finding ourselves in my experience at like differing impasses Mm -hmm. where it was like, Oh, this is a different conversation we're having now about equity or about compensation or about private sharing. But like, it's still ending in a not totally clear, but kind of shitty stalemate. Mm, Like it wasn't even clear exactly what we disagreed about. It was just like, why can't we make progress on these Mm. things? And so I remember over one weekend, Aaron and I have a Friday afternoon hang every Friday for 90 minutes, which is where we do work together or just chat with each other. And I remember after a particularly shitty Friday hang, I over the weekend wrote like a very long thing about like my frustrations and what I was feeling, what I felt like was going on. And then I was like, I'm not going to send this to him. That's a shitty thing to do. (laughs) Instead, (laughs) what I realized was like, you know what, actually sending Aaron my fucking Jerry Maguire manifesto is not useful. What is useful is to say, how do we get out of this maze? I feel like we need help because we obviously are people who care about these companies and about this work and about each other. And we can't fucking figure it out. And let's stop trying to do that by ourselves. And so I think rather, I don't remember exactly, but I think rather than posting, you know, the entire contents of my brain to you, I was just like, something about this feels like it's not working. I don't want this to like spoil our friendship. Should we get some external help? And you were like, fuck yeah, let's do that. It's so funny to hear that because I remember the note that you sent as being fairly lengthy. And so the fact that it was the short version <laughs> is like, whoa, okay. So that's the cliff Someday notes. I'll show you um, the original. The full note. Yeah. <laughs> and what is funny about that, that, that I think I mentioned to you in the moment, but was like definitely going on is I was essentially drafting something similar mm. in, in reverse in my head that whole weekend. I was like, how do I want to say what I want to say? And then you said it and I was like, yes, that. So yeah. it was actually like really serendipitously timed in a way, yeah. which, which felt really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and we can get into what is, what's all happened since then. But, you know, I think that the, in thinking about doing this episode with you, one of the things that I, one of my like big noticings was like, I think you and I took for six months probably we took a very like org designer stance on this stuff. And we just thought that we were going to like think and design our way through ownership and compensation and contribution and, you know, historical conflict. And we had to actually wade into the soup of our own stories and our own assumptions and our own fucking problems with each other in order to get back to that. And it's like, I think part of the, at least in my experience, part of the like banging my head against a wall was feeling like, we're like very good at this. Why can't we just do this? Like, why can't we just (laughs) fix this? And like the, the truth of the situation since then is that we couldn't fix it because the solution space of a new equity plan or a new profit sharing model or different roles for us or different compensation was really the tip of like a much, much deeper iceberg. And we couldn't just like 
hang out on the surface of that without getting at what was underneath it. And and finally, I feel like as we've plunged into the depths of what's underneath it, I am feeling increasingly prepared to just like deal with the tip of the iceberg and have it actually not be that big of a deal. Right, right. Yeah, it is. I think some of the big insights that came out of it, I mean, first, just as framing for everyone listening, you know, self-management is the idea that we are co-creating and consenting to the structure of the company and the way it operates, et cetera. But there are often some foundational starting principles with the founder or co-founders that kind of sit underneath that. And, and as is true in any system, but especially in ours, like things have shifted a lot. And so what roles we're all playing and how we're connected to the ready and, you know, the value we're contributing and the nature of that, like all that had moved but none of that foundational stuff had really changed. And so there was a lot of tension in the system, literally from the movement. You have this sort of yeah. departure from like, here's where we were and here's where we are. And the rubber band is kind of a little bit taut. And so I, I just want to state that like, it's not unexpected or uncommon for that tension to emerge in a system. And if you haven't built a way for it to really effectively reallocate power and roles and money and influence you, you know, you get to points where it's like, oh shit, something's broke. So we have to fix it. Yeah. The thing that was cool about the conversation and, and some of the coaching that we've, that we've had with each other is recognizing the fact that for most of our working relationship, we didn't have a lot of conflict and we uh -uh. also didn't disagree about very many things. And, and one of the things I mentioned is we also didn't try to convince each other of very many things. And so I just feel like it was one of those one of those experiences where I realized we didn't have a lot of practice disagreeing. Yeah. <laughs> and um and I would say generally speaking in the world we're both fairly confident, convincing, influential characters. And so you put two of those together in a place where they don't have a lot of practice disagreeing and it gets interesting. So I thought that was the place we stepped into the process from. And then what you were saying about needing to kind of dig deeper, run the system. One of the patterns we realized about me is that I like to go right to the solve and I often like to make the solve systemic. So it's like, oh, you're mad at me? Cool. How can I fix it with a system change? And, and never really like allowing myself to go deeper. And, and I think the big takeaway for me around this process has been, you know, we, we read and talk about something like nonviolent communication at the ready. And, and the whole premise there is, reconnect at the heart and then solve the problem. And yet I don't do that intuitively or naturally. Like that's not uh -huh. my first move. And so that's one of the big skills that I think I'm building is actually following that advice or knowing how to. Um, yeah. And that's a whole new animal. I love it. I love it when you get really mad too. It's just <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh, he is in there. So let's, let's talk about why did you agree to doing coaching? And, yes. and when we started if you can put yourself back there so a few months ago, yeah. what did you want to get out of it? Mm. Well, I, the reason I agreed to do it is that I think I, I try to be open and I try to like lean into discomfort now in my, in my later years, I, I used to try to really avoid and now I'm, I'm really trying to lean in. So I think the opportunity to, to do this stuff and with some help was like, quite a relief, actually. I, I love the mm. skill building opportunity. And I and I'm aware enough about myself now to know that like, this is not my gift. <laughs> so if I can get some support, that's great. It helps me to it helps me to, um, to show up better. What I was hoping to get out of it was 
what the hell do you want? And how do I... <laughs> it's a central uh, theme. You know, how do, I, how do I show up to that? How do I meet those needs? I felt, I felt like in our conversations without the support and without practicing some of the new chops that we have, I often left feeling like I don't know what to do or I don't know how to respond or I don't know what this person wants. I just know that there's like that we're talking past each other in some way. And it felt like I didn't have any moves left. Like I was reaching for arrows and I didn't have any. So my hope was that was that, yeah, I would both learn more about what's really going on and also have more skill and more ability to, to like dig into that and get to get to the the real stuff faster, I guess. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I mean, so we, we are working with a coach who I've worked with in the past. We'll talk in a minute about how we found our way to that. But, you know, for me, I, I just find that having outside resource when I'm stuck is usually really helpful because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not a conflict averse person. I am a pretty self-aware person. I've done a lot of my own work. And so when I find myself in an intractable situation or dynamic and it just, I just can't, I just can't find my way out of it. I'm usually like calling, you know, call in the support and, right, and sometimes, right. you know, and depending on context, like sometimes calling the support is like, call you. And sometimes it's like, call Allie. And sometimes it's like, call Ed or Molly. But the point is in this case, I was like, the support that I feel like I actually need here is an external party to like right. hold up a mirror and be like, here's what's going on. You mm-hmm. two. And I think the other, the other thing that was important and it was like a realization that I had just before proposing this was that a lot of the foundational agreements and existing structure of the company, et cetera, have a very specified power dynamic. And what I was feeling like was like our relationship and the dynamic that we have between us doesn't necessarily feel like power over, like you have power over me. But on paper, you absolutely do. And what I was noticing in trying to do work around things like ownership was that that power dynamic was showing up for me. And and mm-hmm, so I think mm-hmm. some of the murkiness around like, what the fuck does she want? Why won't she even tell me? Was me being like, ultimately, these are opinions and suggestions, but I actually mm-hmm. don't have the authority here to, to do anything except leave. Like sure. I have the, I have that authority, but it felt like <laughs> that didn't feel like the best option. So, so I think I was looking for new tools and support, but also help in the power dynamic Yeah, and having a that third makes- party to sort of like referee us and to keep me honest, you know, and to be like, you're retreating when you shouldn't be and and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, that that lands for sure. And I think the thing that is so interesting about having a third party, and of course, this makes sense, right? I mean, we we literally run a consulting and coaching business that goes in and is the third party on a lot of meetings and moments. And there's, you know, every every professional athlete in the world has a coach, right? So there's a there's a good reason for that. But I think in our case, it was especially interesting when I don't want to say that we know how to push each other's buttons. But what I will we say absolutely is, do. I don't want to say that. What I what I will say is when we 
when we dig into our styles, we tend to go to places that are especially annoying to the other person. 100%. Right? So it's It's like when we sink in, then it's like, this is the most irritating we can be to each other. And so I think that benefits hugely from someone that's like, hmm, here's what you're doing right now. <laughs> like yeah. you're, you're doing yeah. the thing that you do. And, right. and sometimes when you're activated, it's hard to notice that. So that's been really helpful, I think. Totally. I think it's hard to notice that. And it's like, we have those fail safes for reasons. Like, you know, my shit around like commitment and independence and whatever. And the fact that like, when I am pressed, I'm just like, I'm gonna leave. I'm going right. to bounce. And you're right. like, are you fucking kidding me? Right? You know what I mean? It's like, it, and it's like, there's probably something like if I was a psychologist, which I am not to be clear, like there's probably something about the fact that we can so surgically trigger each other. That is also why we ended up here. Like, right. like I think the, the bright side of that street is something really positive and really complimentary. And when it's great, it's the right. best. And I think the dark side of that street is a, is a bad cycle of like, I can say the exactly specific thing that will like make you the most upset or panicked and vice versa. Right. Or so, not say it. Or, <laughs> or not say it. Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about how we chose a coach. Yes. You want to? Sure. This was one, this was one for me where I was like, I care about the skills, but I care mostly that you're really grounded in the coach because of the power dynamic. Yeah. You know, and, and I was just like, as long as you feel really well supported and I think the person knows what the fuck they're doing, then I'm down. Like, let's, you know, I don't think I, I tried not to be too precious about it. And at the moment it felt to me really urgent. Where mm-hmm. I was like, I'd almost rather have 80% good help than no help. So mm-hmm. so let's just go, you know? But how did you think about when you were like looking at the Rolodex, how did you think about what you were seeking? Yeah, I, I, I also felt the urgency. I think a couple of things. So one was because I know that you do not particularly love conflict and it's not your natural tendency to like, invite conflict. I was like, we have to work with someone who is going to create like enough safety for Aaron to do that. And so that was like how I was thinking about you. How I was thinking about myself was the power dynamic. I was like, I need someone who's going to like help me here. And God, actually there was like a lot of criteria that went into this. I wanted to talk to Garrett specifically, not because I had worked with him before and, and had a good relationship with him and found him very valuable. But like, I knew that he would call me on my shit in a way that would be helpful to me and other coaches that I've worked with who have been more like gentle. I haven't gotten as far as quickly. And I just felt like, because we were in this moment where we were like, let's go do this thing. I was like, I don't need someone who's like, let's breathe. I need Mm -hmm. someone to be like, you're withholding knock it off, right. say what you need to say. And I knew that he would do that. And then the other thing is just because I've experienced like many types of coaching and I know you have too, I really wanted someone to coach us like how a tennis coach coaches like doubles a doubles tennis team. <laughs> like I didn't want right. someone, I didn't want a locker room coach. I wanted like an on the court coach. And, and I knew from working with Gareth that like 
what we were not going to do was like necessarily talk about our feelings constantly in absentia. I knew that what we were going to do was get at our unhelpful patterns and root systemic things through him observing us actually trying to work together. Right, right. And I and and as opposed to other schools of coaching that you and I have both experienced, I was like, I don't want to spend a lot of time being like, I am feeling angry right now. I want to <laughs> spend time with him being like, you do this and then he does that and then you do this and then he does that. Is that right? Yeah. yeah because yeah. I just felt like that because to me, I didn't really feel like you and I had like a were like had like a broken relationship. I wasn't like, we need to repair this like connection. Like the connection was suffering, but I was like, what we need actually is to repair or step out of these fucking patterns that we can't get ourselves out of, which, which have, which have like emotional, have emotional tales. But like, I was like, I don't need to go after the emotional side of this. I need to like, I need to have someone help me recognize when we are kicking off a thing that we want to stop doing. Yes. We did not need a breathing exercise. We needed play by play nudging and new moves on the court. New moves. Exactly. So that was a longer description than I was expecting it to be, but I guess there was actually a lot in there in the selection (laughs) process. Um, So I'm really curious to hear, and it's funny that we haven't talked about this at all. It's like we do coaching and then we just go back to work. It is totally separate from like everything else, which is also kind of interesting, I think. What are the sessions like for you? Like how would mm. you describe them? And like how do you how do you feel? Mm. Well, I think I'm always at, at one level I'm glad when we have one coming up because I feel like whatever is building or emerging for us, there's a place to put it. And I know that we have that clearing opportunity. So it's, so there's some relief, I think, when I see one coming. However, also when we first jump in, there's an awkwardness to like where to start or what to work on. And unlike Mm. most of the meetings that we teach and facilitate, it doesn't have a formal structure. It doesn't have like a first we check in and then we do this and then we do that and then we do this. And as a result, it's kind of like, so what are we going to, it's like a middle school dance, you know, it's just like, what are we going to talk about today? And, and then what happens is that we, we sort of nonchalantly wade around the water of what we could talk about and then pick something. And then shit gets really interesting for an hour and a half and then it's over. And, and during that interesting part, what I tend to feel as my emotional arc is like, it starts usually with me feeling some kind of like negative emotion or defensiveness or resistance, and then sinking in to an actual conversation that restores that or restabilizes that. And then ending with a feeling of like, mm, I wish we could do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So that's, I don't know, that's, that's my narrative of the like before, during and after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always, I have the same feeling when I see it on the calendar. And then like 20 minutes before, I'm usually like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this today because <laughs> I know it's going to feel, you know, it's hard. It's like mm-hmm. hard work to just like wade around in deep conversations with anyone. And yeah, I feel like, you know, often I am coming in with something that like I want to process. And so on the one hand, maybe part of my dread is being like, 
do I really want to do this? Or do I want to just like carry this around and seethe for a while longer? But then also after like the first 10 minutes of me being like, here's the thing. And you being like, that fucking sucks. And then me being like, cool, let's talk about it. Then I'm usually like, oh God, it was not that big of a deal. And I'm so relieved that I just like said that out loud. So um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. And I think one of the things that to me is like somewhat unexpected maybe is that although I've had this experience in therapy, so it probably shouldn't be unexpected is like, it truly does not matter where we start. Like whatever, whatever is up is coming out. No matter if the topic is like a meeting we were in, or it's like a project we're trying to do together, or it's like an argument we had over Slack. It does not matter what the opening salvo is. Whatever, whatever is spicy between us is coming out in that conversation. Yeah. Cause it's turtles all the way down. It's like, there's no question that, that the underlying dynamics are the underlying dynamics. And so you just, you know, you can pick your holiday party and there they are. I think that is definitely true. And I think the fact that we both expressed, you know, reticence to, to be in these sessions or whatever, before they happen like this is why the world sucks, right? Is because it is because people people are resistant. We're we're no exception. But I think that the question is like, will you will you get past that in order to make right. something healthy? And and right. whether it's a family system or a work system or a relationship with a friend or whatever it is, like you kind of have to invest. And and, yeah. and as much as we advocate on the show for agreements and systems and structures and principles, like that's all true. And human beings with real lives and real trauma and real patterns are going to be showing up in those structures. And if they need to be really in lockstep and really close, then you got to put in the work, I think. I don't think there's really a way around that unless you want to stay on the surface level. And I feel like part of this conversation between the two of us has been a little bit about that of like, do you want to stay up here in this like mm. safe kind of surfacey collegial friendly zone? Or do you want to like get into the shit and talk about where we come from and where we're going mm-hmm. and what's really going on? And I just, I reserve that for very few people. Like I don't mm-hmm. go there regularly because it is such a, it is such a energy suck, but it is always incredibly fruitful. Yeah, totally. It's also, I think it's hard to, no matter what your willingness is and no matter what your routines are or or how common it is for you to go really deep with another person, there's always a level of risk. Like w- no matter what relationship you're in, like one of the, one of the patterns that I think we uncovered very early about our relationship is that in both of our attempts to make the other person happy we were like fucking up a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And like your desire to be like, what do you want? Just tell me so that I can do it. And then you can be happy. And my desire to like, not push you too far in conversations when I sense bristling, like got Mm -hmm. us into this mess, but also it feels risky to basically be like the pattern we're in is trying to make each other happy and preserve this connection. And it's actually making us unhappy and damaging our connection. And so we have to do the opposite, even Mm -hmm. though the opposite feels initially worse. Right. Well, and I think, I think for me, and I'm not sure how many listeners have this pattern, but like a lot of my 
conflict aversion such as it is, I think it's it's gotten a lot better over the years, honestly, but but such as it is today, still stems from the fact of like, I'm afraid if I get into the meat that there might be a real impasse there. Mm, and then mm-hmm. and then if if we really are at an impasse, then we can't move forward and then it's over. And that yeah. is really scary to me in all my relationships. And so I think the idea of like touching that stove is I have to really want that. Yeah. You know, totally and it's really worth it. Because the the risk is like, what if what if we start talking about the truth? And the truth is that there's not a, you know, that there isn't a fit or there isn't a way or there isn't like a an alignment. And that is, yeah, that's like the drumbeat underneath the let's keep it surface. I mean, I feel like we got into that in session one. Because yeah, it's for like sure. that was like so like even something like knowing that about you was like not something that I was aware of. And I was just like, why is it a big deal if we argue about stuff? Like, we're not, this isn't going to break. Like, it's just not going to break because we don't agree about something. But like, that's just assuming that we have the same worldview and that we have the same lived experience and that we have the same relationship to conflict, which we obviously don't at all. (laughs) And so it's like, you you know, but again, it's hard without, it's hard without help to start to see those things and get at what's below the surface. I mean, I will say for anyone who like decides to wade into this, one of the things that I've found really helpful just in terms of like continuing and wanting to show up. And I actually learned this from this fucking stupid exercise app that I do. And it's like so <laughs> embarrassing to even say this, but I, nice. I do this particular kind of exercise. And at the end, the woman who leads it like really makes a point to talk about like how much better she feels at mm. the end of it. And I feel like at the end of our meetings, I'm, I often will say to myself, like, just pay attention to how much better you feel right now. Than you felt at the beginning of this and like noticing that really makes me be like okay i'm coming back to this right like you have to teach yourself that there's a reward there exactly exactly because the fear is always going to come up beforehand or like the agita or the like what yeah. if instead of this we just like talked about fucking rap for an hour but but i have to then like remember that after every time we do it i'm like I feel better about you. I feel better about me. I like all of the things are better. So for anyone who tries this, pay attention to that feeling because it will keep you coming back. It's behavior change 101 in a way, because you look at like, how about exercise? Same exact story. Same exact thing. It's like, "Mm, this sounds like a terrible idea. And afterwards, you're like, man, I feel good. Let's go have a big glass of water. Yes. Next morning, you get up and you're like, oh, I don't want to exercise. So I think I think that is that's a pattern. And to your point, just anchoring into like the reward or even adding rewards. I mean, we've had guests on the show recently and I've been reading some other books from contemporaries of them about behavior change and like the idea of. I'm going to put something that I really enjoy on the other end of this thing that is hard. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, we're going to do coaching and then I'm going to have a milkshake. Is that what do you do after our sessions? What's your like temptation bundle? Well, you know, what's funny is I don't know that I've fully implemented that idea, but it's just occurring to me now hearing you talk about what you do. I think what I do is I usually give myself space afterwards, Mm -hmm. which is a thing I don't have a lot of. So mm-hmm. I will, I will make or force some time to just like wander around mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe go outside or whatever and just like cool off. And that is 
that is a nice reward. And it's also a way to like let things settle in, like let lessons sink in instead yeah. of just, you know, going like, can you imagine like going to immediately facilitate right after a session or something? It's just like, I have done that after one woof. of our sessions and it was not great. I really like doing, I, I actually don't mind it when they end up being really late my time. Cause I find yeah, exactly. that I can like, no, I usually gone. like put a Miller light in a koozie and walk a dog for like 30 minutes in silence yeah. and just like ponder life. And that's, that's pretty good. helpful. Yeah, that's the way. One of the questions I really wanted to ask you mm. is what has surprised you about the work we've done so far? Mm. Well, I think the, the, the things that have surprised me, one is, has been exactly what you said, Garrett's willingness to like, just name it and sort of push the button and, and show one of us what's happening and, and, and in essence kind of defend the other one in the moment. That is, that was surprising to me because I didn't expect it to be there, but it's really helpful and it adds to the uh, like overall integrity of the process that someone can just mm-hmm. be like, you know, that sounded really harsh or mm-hmm. you're not, you're not talking about feelings. You're explaining again or whatever. Like that stuff is, it makes it feel principled in a way that I did not expect and that mm-hmm. I'm enjoying um, the other big surprise is that most of the things that I thought we disagreed about, we don't actually disagree about that much. Mm-hmm. That actually like the way we talk about things that are sensitive to one or both of us or the way we talked about things that are sensitive to one or both of us tended to lead to like confusing ways of communicating or not really getting to like the meat of what someone is saying and assuming what someone means or what someone's willing to do in both directions for sure, but certainly for me in my direction doing that, like assuming that someone meant the worst version of something that they said or the the version that's most triggering for me, having that like revealed through actual conversation has always been a consistent like, huh, okay, so that isn't what you meant. Okay, which feels like kind of conversation 101, but it's still, it still slaps and it still, <laughs> it still gets me every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you been surprised? Yeah. Yeah. I've been super surprised. Honestly, I've been surprised at how much you've like come to play like for real. I don't know. I just thought because we had a lot of like a lot of history of skirting things and surface stuff that you talked about just a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. I was really surprised that really it felt like session one, you were just like, let's fucking do this. And just like (laughs) dropped way into the deep end Mm. really, really quickly. So that was a surprise because I was definitely like, it's going to be 10 sessions before we get to that part. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I look, that's, I mean, I'm a coach, like some, Sometimes it's two sessions and sometimes it's six months and that's how it yeah. goes. And you always get there eventually or you stop doing the work. Right. And so I, w- I didn't have a worry about that. And it didn't, um, I wasn't like, we shouldn't do it for that reason. But I definitely was surprised that like from session one, you were just like, here's what, here's the thing about me. And I was like, oh shit. Okay, great. <laughs> this is a surprise. The other thing that's been surprising in a shitty way is that I feel like, we have these moments in our sessions where we will have like a real realization about something that we do and a way that we want to 
play differently. And I am surprised at how hard it is to just not do that in real life. Like I just thought, I just thought like we're really smart and that like if it was pointed out to us one time what was happening, Um, then we would just never do it again. Yeah. And that's not how it goes at all. And what's funny, I guess maybe part of the reason is because I'm fucking arrogant, but part of the reason is that in solo work, I found it much more easy to recognize my own reaction to something and stop it. And yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's because there's not, I don't actually know the reason we'll ask Gareth why that is, but I have been surprised that we will get, we will get into something and one of us will be like, we're doing the thing. And like, we didn't even, we did not even pause. We did not even mm-hmm. look at a road sign and mm-hmm. be like, nah, fuck that. We didn't even, there wasn't even a moment of awareness. We just dropped right, right in to the exact same shit that we've been doing probably for years. And yes. um, it's been surprising to me that that is harder than I thought it would be. Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to need like some days of the week underwear with the lessons on them or something <laughs> something that I can carry with me because it is. And I think my explanation is Oh, yeah, that, tell me because it just makes me feel stupid. Well, I mean, I feel stupid all the time. It's not because I don't have an explanation for your individual experience versus your team coaching experience. But what I do have an explanation for is that I think to show up with those patterns in your mind and to avoid them is just takes more energy. Mm. It takes like juice in the tank. And, (laughs) and we are running ragged right now. Like we have a lot going on, both of us. And so like, if I don't make a conscious choice, that's like, I'm putting on the life preserver and I'm going in. I just come in at this level. My hand is low in the screen right now. I'm, I come in at this level and it's like from that level, it's very easy to downshift into regular patterns because mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I'm literally not like on alert. I'm mm-hmm. not energetically yeah. like looking for the shit. And instead I'm just cruising. And then when we're reminded to be on alert, then it's like, bop, I puck, go up to DEFCON 4 and I've got my eyes on it. And then I keep that with me for a little while. But I, I literally think it's an energy management thing until it becomes second nature. And that's yeah. why I'm so excited about the reps where, you know, Gareth is like, when do you want to meet again? And I'm like, tomorrow? Because yeah. I just want more reps because the more reps I get, the more likely it will become low energy the way a habit is, right? Like it's not, it doesn't take energy to brush your teeth anymore because you do it every goddamn night. So that is like, I'm looking for that trade off of like enough reps in the hard part that then it becomes the easy part. Yeah, totally. Well, and I feel like that's very much why the like biggest first thing that we were told and that's been repeated to us maybe 30 times and that we have yet to successfully do has been slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Because it's like call and response, which makes great podcast, but it yep. does not make great conflicts <laughs> at all. Um, and. Yeah. And like, God, talk about like a fucking calcified habit. It's just you and I are just like ping pong all the time yeah. in like every domain of our relationship. And then in this one place, the instruction is like, no, play yeah. whatever a slow sport is. Play croquet, not That's ping pong. That's what I'm saying. I feel like we need headgear or something that we wear <laughs> when it's like, oh, now we're having a real conversation. <laughs> 
put your hat on. And now we both can see each other's hats. And it's like, all right, now we're having that conversation because we're so good at the other one. But you never know when the real conversation is happening. Are we going to wear these stupid hats all the time? I'm, I don't know. I don't know the answer to any of those questions. But I do. Oh, I mean, God. I like the idea of wearing like village people style apparel with you. Okay. We can ponder that. Maybe yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. So what we just realized is that we have already been talking for an hour. We have so much more that we want to say about this. And so rather than trying to rush it and put a bow on it, we are going to slow down and we are going to cut this episode into two. So if you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review or forward our show on. Thank you so much to the people who have done that recently. And as always, a quick tip of the hat to Taylor Marvin for making us sound good. Brave New Work is produced by The Ready, where we help organizations around the world change the way that they work. You can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at theready.com. As for you, thanks so much for listening. Now go change something, maybe something about your partnership. 